And we are back. We're off. We are rogue table talking. Headed uh, north. 106. Headed north. Uh, oh, RTT. We are headed north. I think it's a Navy Brothers song. It's a which? Oh, yeah. Navy Brothers. That's why it's song. stuck in my head. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So we are. Uh, this one's a little different. Uh, you know, we've been talking about, um, you know, knowing Jesus, um, you know, talking about, um, uh, what we've been talking about the last little bit. And this is sort of, uh, uh, this episode will be sort of, um, let's talk about the year, maybe take a step back. Obviously we've talked about the year during the year, uh, but, you know, just to talk about. Not that, you know, the craziness is over and we have a glorious new morning at hand, necessarily, <laughs> mm. hopefully. Uh, but sort of, um, at least here, things are beginning, you know, beginning to head back to normalcy. You know, the mask mandates and all of that stuff are sort of fading from memory. And, uh, you know, and so that's sort of, closing that 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 age is sort of closing and you know what what comes next and so i thought it'd be just good to talk about this for a few minutes sort of how do we we process this past year this past you know year and a couple of months um and just you know maybe start with you know what have you missed over the last 15 you know I don't know when it, it got. It really got crazy in the middle of March of 2020. Yeah, uh, but it yeah, was already March starting to get a little crazy. Yeah, was yeah. kind of the beginning of. Hey, things are going to close. Travel is going to be banned. You never, you didn't know what was really going to happen. Travel is going to be banned. Yeah, you, you heard rumors of like states are going to close their borders. You can't travel right. in between states, and you know. Right. Uh, all this stuff, and so there was a lot of anxiety at first, and and then it was still it was still pretty a drastic change for us, you know. Schools closed, and I remember one teacher said to our kids, "We're just going to have a two week spring break. We'll be right back after that. We'll see you then." And uh, you know, never to be seen again. <laughs> I just didn't know. We've never and... seen her again. <laughs> <laughs> so. There's that, and then everybody started working remotely, and uh, it was all it was adjustment, and then it was more adjustment, and then it was more adjustment, and then the summer, it, you know, it was all this balance of we're going to come out of it, then we're not out of it, we're going to come out of it, then we're not out of it. So I think I missed stability. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, like that. It's, you take stability yeah, it's, for granted. Yeah, that's right. Normalcy, stability that we basically know. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but we basically sort of know the outline or the parameters of tomorrow and next week and next month. And and we didn't, obviously. Uh, it changed. Um, so, yeah, normalcy, uh, stability, uh, equilibrium, uh, yeah. whatever. Because it, it it's interesting that there was sort of this attempt to keep returning to normalcy. Because I remember thinking, well, you know, just a couple of months, it'll be couple of months it'll be over three months will be over you know when we get to the summer it'll be over when we get past the summer it'll be over and i kept thinking why will it be over i mean the virus isn't going anywhere um 
you know, and so, but there's this desire to think, well, you know, when we get to September, blah, 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 blah. And um, obviously it wasn't until a lot of people got it or we got the vaccine uh, and or both. Uh, but yeah, the sense of, and then now even what's normal, what's the new normal? That's sort of the question now. What's the new normal? Mm-hmm. I We assume in the fall kids will be in school probably without masks. I'm not sure, uh, but sort of normal-ish, um, you know, theaters, movie theaters, Restaurants. Broadway's opening back up. Broadway's opening back. So you know, there's this mm-hmm. sense that we're at least tiptoeing back towards some of those things, mm-hmm. uh, and that's some of the things I missed when you say just normalcy. Part of it is just just going into a store and not thinking about what are the rules. Do I have a right. mask? Eating in a restaurant with other people. Going to a movie theater with other people watching a movie. Right. You know, all of that stuff was seemed very, um, I don't know, transgressive or something. Or if you did it at all, if you could do it at all, it seemed like you were breaking some rules. Stuff you just took yeah. for granted, right? Yeah, you kind of, even if you went somewhere and had a mask on, you weren't sure if you were the bad guy. It, you kind of yeah. felt like, am I yeah. doing something wrong? Yeah, yeah. But I think that... I'd be wearing this mask, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I miss... I, I miss that the the ability to gather the ability to uh even go to the swimming pool um yeah you know and not right. have to sign up for a one hour slot <laughs> it's like okay right. we can go for this one hour and nobody else is going right. to be there right. uh the ability to go to uh you know a third wheel you know uh good news and whatever like uh, just a place where people gather and it's kind of noisy and people are blowing off steam and it's relaxing like that mm-hmm. i think that yeah. Yeah. has been a significant loss yeah going to the gym yeah you know all that stuff um yeah and so you're missing all of that and of course people then are more constrained stuck at home um you know and so that's part of like what you grieve is you know what you miss flows into what you grieve but uh it's not the only thing you know that you know, what have you grieving or what do you, what have you grieved over the last year? Uh, and so, you know, I would say some of those things, but also, you know, that a lot of people at church I haven't seen because they're mm-hmm. not seeing anybody or not going out and, you know, fewer people at worship and so on. And, um, you know, that the sort of the normalcy of church rhythm you know, I've missed and grieved. Not that that's necessarily a bad thing. I can come back to that later, but there's still a sense of, um, you know, things are really different. And I, in ways that I didn't think would be different. I mean, right. Well, there's just things you can't get back. There's things that just won't, it's just a loss. It's not like you can quote unquote make up for lost time. You can try, but you know, just when you're talking about church rhythm, like I think of things that are important to me and our family are like church camps and VBS. And these are really important, formative things. Our kids love them. We love them. Uh, but you just, they didn't exist. And they didn't happen. And, and that's, that year won't be, right. uh, it's not coming again. That age, right. you know, right. there's only right. one year where my ninth grader is going to be a ninth grader at camp. Right. Right. Uh, 
So yeah, yeah it, those those things are definitely uh, griefs. Yeah, and uh, you know, I I think the things that I grieve the most probably is just how some of us have responded to, to all of those things. I just, you know, mm-hmm. the divisiveness, the anger, the outrage, the fear that, um, you know, I think seems, seems to have characterized a lot of, a lot of what happens in the church, right? People are, uh, taking sides, you know, the, the mask people, and the uh you know masks are are a sign of liberal fear you know weakness uh whatever mm-hmm. um you know the just the side taking the tribal nature the um uh us and them you know not just so you've got Matt, you've got the coronavirus you've got that is it is it a real thing is it dangerous so on you've got the mask issue you had the George Floyd, uh, mm-hmm. you know, racial uh, unrest in the summer. You, of course, had the election, everything that went up to the election. Uh, you had the all the stuff that happened after the election. Was the election stolen? Uh, and so on. Aren't the, isn't uh, there a state still doing a recount? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the... Right. No, it's like the third recount. They keep wanting to get a different number. Uh, so they keep paying different people to count the votes. I mean, I'm a, saying that. Oh, one eye some... in there. You, yeah. you get somebody else with some like, 2020 count the um, things. And so it's, but I do think, I mean, there's people there that probably in the, in the church that are, you know, oh, maybe it was. And that's, you know, that's the, um, that's the, so part of what I'm grieving is just all of that. The divisiveness, all the, you know, different uh, interpretations of the, what happened politically. And, uh, you know, I think the, and what I would say is the, you know, the misplaced priority of how important all those political, political narratives are, um, yeah. that, you know, what I think about the election is way less important than, you know, what God's doing in my life and then the church and so on. And for some people in the church, it seems to be so important and therefore so divisive, uh, and I, you know, that's just, it feels really sort of sad and grievous that that's where we are. And, you know, to, to take it a step further, I'm grieved by people I've known a long time that seem to have lost their way, you know, that I've gone to church with them for decades. And I kind of wonder what happened to you, you know, mm-hmm. what, <laughs> like you're so freaked out about this political thing or whatever so angry, so afraid. Um, I don't know. I feel, uh, part of it feels like, wow. Um, as the church, you know, how we haven't done as good a job as we had hoped to do in helping people mature spiritually. If this is the fruit that, you know, just to be honest, that's kind of what I think sometimes. Say that, say that again. Well, I mean, these are people who've been in the church, for 20, 30 years who have checked all the boxes. They've been in groups and they've served on serving whatever and they attend and they give and all that stuff. And then when their faith comes under stress, 
they kind of go to pieces and they choose a political narrative as being the most important thing and they're angry and they're divisive and they're afraid and you look at their social media and it's all you see is you know this guy's great and this guy's horrible and you know whatever and i just wonder man you know where have we gone wrong in helping people mature spiritually if that's the fruit of it and i you know i'm probably overstating the case for some people but to some people i for whom i'm seeing this are you know they, i know them personally that's that's part of the grievous thing i know them personally i'm like man what happened to you mm-hmm. and that's just i don't know that's a grievous thing what I do you think, think i think yeah i think that's true i think part of it is uh some of the people i like to read talk about uh, you know initiation of young people young males young females initiation helping them benchmarks uh, something of maturity this is how what it means to be a man this is what it means to be a woman this is what it means to be an adult they take responsibility um and and most of those people would look out at uh the culture the world north america today and just say we on the whole we're stuck in adolescence on the whole we have not transcended um that we haven't matured as we should and uh, Jordan Peterson, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Jordan Peterson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was listening to him the other day talk about that. You know, he said everything's so pathological today, <laughs> and I don't know if he meant it looks like a mental disorder. It kind of does, though, <laughs> if you look at every, like yeah. the way no. everything right. is being r- responded to, uh, or if he just meant everything's so extreme, everything's so extreme. You can't. There's no freedom to explore, to make a mistake, uh, you know, to make more than a mistake, and I think you look out at that, and and this is where the to me the grief and the fault with the church with us lie is well we've just we've just followed suit, we've just completely followed right. suit when we've been asked to be countercultural when it right. really counts and it really costs something, and it's less like I don't you know associate with these people, watch, listen, or uh, do these things, and it's more about. Will we retaliate? You know, I'm preaching a sermon this coming weekend on um, turn the other cheek. Mm-hmm. And the heartbeat behind the whole thing is when you're a victim, because all three of these things listed, when someone strikes you, when someone sues you, and when someone forces you, when you're a victim, how will you respond? And we, we're all victims of something. Someone's going to sin against us. Someone's going to transgress our bond. We're all, but we don't have to play the victim. And will we retaliate? And will we name call and insult? That's why First Peter says it. Paul says it in Romans. Don't trade insults. Don't mm-hmm. repay evil for evil. But that's mm-hmm. where we are. And it's yeah. like we've... Here's, here's, here's something. Just do that one verse. By the right. grace of God, pray for obedience and strength to just... Okay, help me not retaliate. Right. Pray I for my enemies to, even. Yeah, pr- and pray. That's the whole summation of it is mm-hmm. why would we do this? Because this is who God is. He causes his son and rain to fall on everybody. And we pray for blessings upon people that insult us because they need redemption. We need to keep growing in redemption. It gives God space to work. But when we retaliate, you know, it it doesn't invite any self-examination for myself, for them. Yeah, and I think that's a good, I mean if we do have some self-examination, like where, from where is the retaliation coming? Um, 
you know, I, I think, um, I was talking to somebody on my team who was, you know, saying something about somebody that somebody in this situation has been a Christian a long time, kind of, you know, the saying Biden's a bozo or something, bozo might not be the right word, but <laughs> sort of in a sense, are you, you're going to agree with me, right? Like we're going to have now a bonding conversation, an identity conversation about this, this thing that we share. And I don't th- think the person necessarily shares it, but you know, what I said, my, my, my take on that isn't, is my opinion on whether Biden's a bozo or not is a, might be surprising, maybe not B much less. My opinion of him is much less important to me than it doesn't define me. It is an identity marker. It's not my tribe. Uh, you know, whether if we disagree about that, what unites us is far more profound and eternal. And we are acting as though the things that are far more profound and eternal are unimportant. And the things that are really super important are the political and social and cultural questions of the day. And so when somebody says something about my candidate or takes the other side of my issue, it feels like a personal attack in our culture. And we in the church have fallen right into that. And then we just fire back. Like you're attacking yeah. my tribe. Right. You're in, and of course, more, more than that, it's my tribe is goodness and moral clarity and uh, care. And your tribe is evil. Um, so I, I almost have a moral duty. personalize so much yeah. of it. So it's like, right. why, why, you know, Richard Orr likes to say the ego takes offense. And why do we personalize it so much? Like this person needs to feel like they're a part of the Republican or Democratic tribe and they need you to feel that you're a part of with them so they feel secure. Okay, so why do I personalize that? Like, right. what, what, who cares? Yeah. Like, that's, that's who, them. That's, that's right. not me. It's just, right. It's just not, it should not be that important. And it's not, none of these sort of dynamics show up anywhere in any sort of biblical narratives. Right? I mean, it's not right. like you know, the believers got together and tried to change the government. I mean, that's not a thing that happens in the Bible. Uh, Of course, we have a different form of government now. People can try to, you know, be politically active. All that's fine. It's just not defining. If you're in the church, that should be defining. And it should be normal for church people to disagree about politics or other sort of cultural issues. Uh, and that's what agrees me that, you know, somehow we've gotten that wrong and we've assumed some sort of normalcy that isn't right. And if nothing else, I mean, the last year, it's grievous in a sense, but it at least forces out into the open things that I think we are going to have to try to deal with. Like, I don't think there's any going back. If we try to go back to normal, I just don't think it'll work. That we've already lost people. You know, any individual church has probably already lost people and, you know, because they've been offended by this person or that or whatever, you know, how do we gather together and be missional minded, be focused on transformation and worship and community and impact, you know, because that's what we're going to stand before the Lord for. Uh, How do we change the conversation? In other words, how do we make something else for dinner? And in in that cultural phrase I've used before, 
Um, that's the question before us. Getting back to let's all just, can't we all just get along? I don't think that's going to work. And I don't even think that's, you know, we need to move toward some identity and purpose that God has for us in Christ as his body. And that was, must have, has to be what defines us. And we have to be willing to set everything else aside. Um, and so it's an opportunity, I think, uh, I, you know, it's grievous what's happened, but I think it's an opportunity to address things that probably were there and we weren't going to address them otherwise. Well, and I don't, you know, we're being not hard, but we are laying the weight on, okay, this reveals a level of immaturity and it, and it does. It really does. Um, and in the same conversation, I think we need to say we haven't been wired. Well, not wired. We haven't experienced this amount of stress all at one point in time. I mean, the masks and Corona would have been one thing, but then you have the the uh, uh, the violence with mm-hmm. you know black right. and white police, right. and that's that's right. a significant stress for people to try to think through, walk through what what's the great response. And then you have the election, the conspiracies of this, and it's all right. melded into this one thing, and it rained, right. it poured, and and yet I do think the stress has broken many people and I think they can emerge. And I think on the whole, we will have to emerge into a new normal and grow some muscles that we haven't had to grow because we are not used to this level of stress. And I do think this had stretched and broken some and we can emerge with more grace and emerge with more compassion. Um, I do think that's the hope, right? Yeah, that's that's the the hope. hope. I think that the, the, the hard part will be does the trajectory of North America in general tend to decline and look a little bit like other countries where there's political violence, there's violence mm-hmm. around elections, mm-hmm. and the hope is that there's still an emergent of a 10 to 15 to 20% group of saints uh, that show the way, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's right. I think again, when I say it's an opportunity, I just I do think there was an extreme amount of stress, and I think the stress was multiplicative. I think people responded more to each individual stressor because the other stressors were there. And I do think being shut up in your house and having probably a little bit too much internet exposure was probably not you know the, the best thing for for lots of people. Um, but the so yes, we got to a level of brokenness that, or revealed a level of brokenness, understandably. But that that is the opportunity because from brokenness we might actually grow in ways we wouldn't have mm-hmm. and need to. Because I do think whatever happens in our country, you know, the challenge of the church will be to not buy into it, to be countercultural, to show a different way, to be people of grace, to be you know quick to hear. Um, so to speak, to turn the other cheek, to pray for our enemies, to be transformed, to be Christ-like, to be worshiping, to make an impact, uh, to be sacrificial, you know, all of these things that we were called, we had the opportunity to do, and you know, over the past year and did to some limited degree and didn't do to some other degree. I think that's part of, some of that will still be around, and I think that's an opportunity to be countercultural. Uh, because I do think, I mean, a lot of di- things did, I mean, it, 
gave me hope during this you know time and some of it was that people did respond people did care for one another you know we we were a food distribution point and you know we had the opportunity to minister to a lot of people that we wouldn't have otherwise um and you know i think there's um you know, the disruption and the brokenness creates opportunities to be God's people in a, in a place where we, we maybe wouldn't have had before. And I think in, a lot of that did happen. So, you know, a lot of that is good. And, uh, I, you know, I, it's, it's maybe, maybe we should contemplate that some of these really unpleasant circumstances are allowed by God to get us to do what we what we really to create opportunities and impetus for us to do what we're called to do and to care for one another um and to in other words he means to redeem them and he means to redeem us and through them and you know he doesn't owe us a smooth normal equilibrium i mean that's not the deal right right and i think for me if if i want to then transition to you know, in ways that I've grown, ways we've grown, uh, I do think there is a there is a forced dependence that I think that, that will some in some sense carry forward. There's sort of a forced dependence on God that I didn't like, but I don't think I would have been as dependent because you didn't have a choice. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just didn't know what was going to happen next. You just didn't. I mean, you didn't know when a vaccine was going to come. You didn't know when the church was going to get back together. Um, and as disruptive as it's been for us, um, you know, I was talking to, uh, Kyle, uh, Hackman, friend of ours, uh, and pastor in Canada, they haven't worshiped and they haven't been together in worship for 14 or 15 months wow. at all. Hmm. Uh, and it, there's a sense in which it's, that's completely, this, some of this is just completely out of your control and that's actually good. That, you know, it's not, we're not called to be in control. And of course we know that, but sometimes it takes having control ripped away from us for us to sort of live in it and then say, okay, Lord, I just have to depend. I don't know. I have to depend on you. Do you think that gets harder as you age? Or do you think, do you think age has anything to do with it? Do you think, you know, teenagers, twenties, do you think because things are so movement and they're so used to transition that losing control or not being in control is part of that. I, I just don't know. I mean, I definitely feel that the loss of control is something really difficult to navigate right now at 41. Uh, I just wonder if it's easy to get more settled and to the wet cement gets more dry. And then I see this loss of control and I really try to fight hard against it. I, I don't know. What do you think? Well, that's a good question. Um, I don't think, so my, my, my response to that will be obviously based largely on my own experience. Um, I, I would say I probably would be more anxious about loss of control of the future where it was I your age, actually, with kids mm-hmm. at home. Mm-hmm. And I feel that, like, not my kids are now adults and they're living on their own and there's a sense in which... Um, I don't have to navigate the rest of their childhood in a crazy year or a crazy right. world. Right. Uh, but I do, but to your point, I do know 
some of the most sort of people who've responded the worst to this, you know, shattering of normalcy have been older people, mm-hmm. even older than me, who just feel like it just seems to me they just become super anxious, outraged people. And I don't really know. So I guess it just really sort of depends on the person. Uh, and I, I guess I don't know. I feel less, I think I feel less keenly the, you know, the discomfort of a loss of control now than I would have, you know, 20 years ago. But I, you know, I'm sort of guessing about that. Um, uh, so, um, I, I don't know. That's my answer to the question. I do think different people, you know, respond to it differently, but mm-hmm. I do think part of that is, a as I grow in spiritual maturity, I should understand at least intellectually that seeking my own control is not going to work. Mm-hmm. And as uncomfortable as submitting to his control is, that's what spirit, spiritual maturity more and more is. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know if it's just, I think it's just different for different people. I mean, I know young people who are super anxious and fearful mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, really some of the, I mean, I know some young people, my own family, some extended family, some young people who, I mean, they just don't, I mean, they don't go anywhere. I mean, they mm-hmm. don't, they just seem to be bunkered in, hunkered down, and they're young. Um, so I don't really know. I mean, it's a really good question. I don't. I don't really know what that what that says about us. But I do think it it feels like you know some of those dystopian or apocalyptic movies where just the thin <laughs> veneer of civilization is taken it away. Does. Yeah, and then you're like, what do we do? you know, who am I, you know, that as long as I have this thin veneer of normalcy where there's the news and there's sports center and I go to my job and I get my Starbucks and I go to a movie and I talk to my friends when suddenly that's ripped away. If that sort of was, I don't know if I was leaning too hard on that veneer, it should be ripped away because I need that. Mm-hmm. In other words, so that can be a good thing. But yeah, that can be really uncomfortable. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's an age thing. I don't know if it's just different people responding differently thing or a life stage thing. I, I really don't know. I don't know if this has been talked about enough. Uh, I, I haven't heard it a lot, but that doesn't always mean anything. Um, I think, you know, we've we've tried to categorize who people are based on how they've responded. And I think the other thing that comes into play is there's so many different personality types. There's mm-hmm. so many different individuals uh, and temperaments and yeah. levels of trust or levels of distrust or suspicion or confidence or if you see the world in an optimistic light uh, or a pessimistic light. I mean, there's so many different factors here. And one of the things that I think is important to talk about is, you know, different people based on their personality types probably have responded uniquely. You know, for some people, I imagine they're fine with hunkering down. Like, Hey, give me my Netflix and work from home in my jammies. This is incredible. Yeah. And and actually going back out makes them nervous. Right. And, and for other people, they're like, uh, yeah, I can't do that. That drives me crazy. And it doesn't mean people are good or bad. It just means 
people are wired differently and we've done life differently. There's those in the younger generation that maybe started off with remote work and I haven't known that, you know, know, remote work's not a a new thing. Um, For me, it is, uh, you know, type of thing. So I I think that's part of it. We're each different people. Some of us don't like the rules in general. We just kind of like suspicious of it, maybe try to flirt with rebelling against it. Some of us love the rule. We feel secure in the rules. Um, it has revealed um, the different different layers of who people are. I think. Mm-hmm. I just don't know. I don't know if that's been said. I think that's right, and I think you're right. I don't think there's a right or wrong there. Part of it's just a personal. It's really what you do with that, and you know, I do think learning to lament <clears throat> is something that we in the normal normal normalcy the veneer of civilization that we were living in you know i think we could avoid it pretty pretty well and i so i think there's a sense in which that we can lament the situation and bring that to the lord and that's actually part of a spiritual rhythm and growth that it maybe maybe those are some muscles that probably we need to exercise or or have had the opportunity to exercise and probably will going forward you know there's uh Psalm 130 is one of these psalms of lament, and there's a lot of psalms of lament. But, you know, out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, so, so that we can, with reverence, serve you. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord. More than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. <clears throat> Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. And, you know, what What I like about, it's just sort of lamenting, you know, the depths, out of the depths I cry to you, but the depths aren't really described. Um, you know, there's nothing specific about a situation here. It's just out of my own lack, out of my own need, out of my own recognition that I need you, I wait for you. And that line is repeated, more than watchmen wait for the morning. I wait for the Lord. And that's sort of this forced dependence this that, that comes through lamenting, you know, <clears throat> what is and what shouldn't be. Um, that's something that I didn't do before, really. I mean, I don't know that I ever really regularly did that there's some level of dependence and trust that we have at least the opportunity to get to as the world gets crazier that can actually stand out more and that's maybe an opportunity that we have uh, in community to help us get to that place where we're we can lament we can depend we can wait for the lord i mean there's no strategy in there there's no Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) There's no next steps. There's no practical. It's just, I'm waiting for the Lord. I cry out to you. I need your mercy. It's recognition of my own sin and need. You know, if I, if my sins were counted, I mean, who would stand if you kept a record of sins? We'd all be, you know, we'd all be toast. So all I can do is wait for you. Um, I think that there's this sort of a spiritual dependence that doesn't translate into some obvious thing to do that I just think frankly we're a little uncomfortable with and 
in the North American church where we're just going to cry out to the Lord and wait for him. Um, I don't know. That's, mm. that's a, that's some, that's a place I've gotten to a few times this past year that I didn't get to before. So. I think there's only you know. levels of lament that you can based on what you're going through. Yeah. You can't right. make yourself go through a hard circumstance and, but this has definitely been difficult for people all over the world. People who lost loved ones, grandparents, children, and, you know, we've lost other things, but, um, you, you can't reach the depths of lament and dependency without going through this trial. Yeah. I mean, you can know about it. You can think about it. You can study it. You can understand it, uh, which is what we often tend to do in the church. But to actually experience it, there you have to sense this sense of uh, there are things I need to lament now. Uh, and that's probably a place that we should get to more often. And maybe this, maybe these muscles will get exercised to where all I can do is wait for the Lord. Um, so let's leave it there. Let's leave it at a place where you know, like more than a watch, the watchman wait for the morning. We we need to wait for you. Wait for whatever the Lord has next, uh, and live in dependence on that, and help one another live in dependence uh, on that, and watch how He redeems that. Uh, so with that, grace and peace. Thanks for listening to Rogue Table Talks. Like and subscribe if you like and want to subscribe. <laughs>